Hi, I'm Caleb. I'm Lisa. And I'm Sean. And this is Watcher Harry, podcast for three obsessive and slightly drunk friends discuss the wider Harry Potter universe. Nailed it. (laughs) Got it right on the first try. Um, And as per usual, uh, this podcast is not for kids. We use foul language and talk about sex and stuff that's not great for kids. It's not safe. Please don't let your kids listen to it. Thank you. Nice. Good job. Thanks. Hey, everybody. That was like better than when we Normal. have it written down. Yeah, like, yeah, we're not going to write it down anymore. We're just going to Oh, that's a, that's a risky sense. move that I'm I'm ready to take. <laughs> we got to try so new for, things. For our, li- for our listeners, we usually forget how to do the openings. We have to write it down on our like production notes, but we decided to give it a try today. And Sean nailed it. Got it yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Sean. Caleb famously does not know what it is ever. <laughs> nope. All right. To be fair, I've changed my name. So. Yeah, <laughs> but that's not the part you forget. Kidding, kidding. <laughs> the rest of it. The rest you're of right. it isn't your name. Ah, you're right. Ah. You're right. Um, nice. What's up? What hey are what are y'all? What beverages do you have to consume this this evening? I think I'm the same as last episode. I have. Wait, is a, it the is it whiskey ball? and uh, bourbon and lime or whatever oh. you're drinking? No, 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 no. I saw the error of my ways. That the next time I made that, I was like, "This is worth making fun of." So thank you for making fun of me. Mm. Um, this is one finger of Bushmills Irish whiskey on the rocks and uh, a Miller High Life. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. Good job. And beer yeah. back. You know, everybody needs one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lisa? Uh, I'm drinking um, a Topo Chico hard seltzer because why not? I it's still have uh, exotic pineapple. Ooh. I haven't tried one yet, but I do think of you every time I see them. Topo Me Chico. too. Mm. Um, yeah. I, I also have a Topo Chico. It is a little cocktail with Topo Chico and uh, tequila. And nice. fresh lime and grapefruit, and oh, you mix it all like up a, and you put it a back. Oh, we Paloma. Yeah, and it's back in the Topo Chico bottle, so it's really fun. So good. Nice. So every time I see Topo Chico, anything, I think of you, Lisa, for the seltzer, and I think of Sean for that cocktail that you made like a year ago, the same one. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, what, what are we are actually you? talking about today, team? Although, if any of our listeners actually know what we are talking about today, because we promised the last like three episodes in a row. Yeah, we but did. it's happening. It's happening now, guys. We're talking about. Happening. We are talking about Severus Snape. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you know him. You may you or may him. not love him. But we are doing a deep dive episode today, and this is what I'm really excited about because our last couple of deep dives, I feel like I walked away. So that was um, Neville, Ron, and Hagrid, and I feel like I walked away loving those characters so much more and I don't know if that's gonna happen with Snape I don't I don't really know how I feel about him and I don't know how I'm gonna feel about him at the end of this conversation do yeah, that's you a good point. so we are a very pro Snape Potter podcast is it that you don't know if you could love him more or what do you mean I think when we when we did the other three, they were characters that I always liked, but with the benefit of of age and then our discussion, like I just I got so much more out of them and I have found myself loving them for such different reasons and on such a deeper level. 
Snape was a character that I started out loving so mm-hmm. much. Like I was such a pro Snape person when reading the podcast and those feelings I think have gotten more complicated as I get older, as I think about this character more um, as we age closer to the age of this character as well and have like the the benefit of being essentially the age that we meet him at in the books. Um, uh, those feelings have just gotten a little more complicated. Yeah. Wow. I think it's also like to your point, right? We, our feelings towards Snape got, complicated because we have experienced men yes that's exactly right like here it's very easy to remind it's like I mean for me personally right like Snape is every guy who I was friends with who decided that I needed to date them or sleep with them or something like that you know wow um and like I don't know those men anything and Snape embodies that for me. So I I have a I have a struggle. I struggle with Snape. That is so interesting because I'm not really of that experience. And so I'm interested in hearing more about that, Lisa, as we talk about Snape. Yeah. I like for me, I relate to him as a character who's hugely flawed, has a lot of imperfections. Um and and I guess as an adult, I lean into like trying to empathetically understand and almost like embody his perspective a little more so than as a kid when he was just this like two one or two D villain. Um, but I, in my adulthood at this point, I've only dated women or non-binary people in my adulthood, so I haven't really experienced men doing that to me. So that is like kind of blowing my mind. A little bit. Yeah. So- and I haven't heard it echoed in the, f- I haven't heard that particular take echoed in the fandom. Like I mostly, uh, in doing a little bit of research for this, have seen people taking Snape's side. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, why don't we start with just some general background to this character is um, a little bit more about them. And then we can kind of uh, dive into some of those questions. Um, I have, if you guys look at the our notes, there's some questions at the bottom um, that I'm going to use as like a springboard. But awesome. Caleb, do you do you want to start? Do you want to just tell us about Snape? Sure. So admittedly for this episode, I did not like go into a Harry Potter research hole. Uh, I just went on the Harry Potter fandom website to get some basic biographical information. Uh, while I was doing this, Sean was also in the doc. So we were typing... <laughs> into the same bullet point at one point and then we did a an, an in real time bit as though we were Tom Riddle's diary that I enjoyed a lot <laughs> <laughs> that was very fun for me I don't know if you can see that a, um, if there's if there's one bullet that you're just like I, this doesn't make sense at all that's when Caleb and I were actively talking to each other on the dock <laughs> uh, and it makes me feel like we are freshmen in college again um, so Severus Snape we meet him as the potions master at Hogwarts, uh, but we don't get his biographical information or we don't really get any specifics in the narrative of the story. Okay, so uh, the details come from supplemental materials from J.K. Rowling after uh, the series was published, uh, but Snape is a half-blood wizard. We do learn this in Half-Blood Prince. He was the son of a muggle father named Tobias Snape. 
Um, his mother was a witch named Eileen Prince, and he grew up in a muggle home. Um, so he grew up near to Lily Evans, who becomes Lily Potter when she marries James. Um, and she and, or rather, Lily and Snape became friends when they were nine years old. So this is really influential of the rest of Snape's uh, arc. So they met as kids. They bonded over magic, really. Lily didn't know what it was. Snape did know what it was. Um, so I read somewhere online that they bonded over it like muggle kids do over like a shared interest in a toy or something. Um, Snape was very poor or his family was very poor. He showed signs of neglect and abuse. Uh, we're shown that his parents thought his father might have been physically abusive, but we towards his mother, but we don't know that for sure. And his clothes were described as being ill-fitting and odd. Um, so in the movies, he's shown as this like skinny kid who kind of looks like Jack White from The White Stripes. <laughs> Pretty accurate, he does, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so he's like that type of kid. Uh, he's always described as having long, greasy hair oh. and sallow skin, and just being like very skinny and off. Uh, and here we get into the bit that Sean and I did about being Tom Riddle in the diary. Can I read it? Uh-huh. Okay. So this bullet <laughs> point says, hi, Sean. My name is Tom Riddle. Hello, Caleb. How did you find my diary? In the shitter. Second floor. God damn it, Myrtle did it again. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. So, so Severus and Lily... They ride on the Hogwarts Express in the same car. So they go to Hogwarts together in 1971. And so Snape is like, this is my bestie. We're going to go to Hogwarts. We're going to get sorted into the same house. Everything's going to be great. So they're in the same car going to Hogwarts. Um, and the Marauders show up and they're being dickheads, whatever. So like... Boom. Before Hogwarts even starts, the bullying is here and these jack wagons are tormenting him. Um, and so that torment is really consistent throughout his time at Hogwarts. He's continually ostracized. He's bullied a lot. He's just kind of a weird fucking guy. Um, so imagine getting bullied by Peter Pettigrew. Yeah, yeah. it's fucking embarrassing. That's I, I don't. I wonder where Peter came into the. Group. I'm sure he did it, too. God. Because he had the he was, protection of his friends. He was probably the worst one because he had to defensively other. Ooh. All right. Um, he sorted into Slytherin. Lily is sorted into Gryffindor. Super sad about it. Um, he develops a passion for the dark arts as a young student. Um, but he also shows some academic prowess. So he's really... Um, talented when it comes to potions we know later in the series we learn that he's the half-blood prince so very talented he invents his own curses spells hexes jinx um he's able to kind of riff on like the potions textbook so we see that with the notes that he writes into harry's textbook in the sixth year and he actually like innovates on the methods that the people made the potions so with this talent he becomes a member of the Slug Club, but what's his name? Slughorn doesn't really like him. Um, and apparently, I read this online, apparently we see that in that Snape's picture was like on that table, but it was behind another picture. <laughs> so dude, That's funny. That's a funny like Easter egg. 
yeah, dude's not good at making friends. He's just kind of weird. He's a loner. Uh, a lot of red flags, we could call them, about him. So it's really no surprise when he gets cozy with the wizard supremacist in the Slytherin house. I mean, he has all the classic signs of, like, how do you radicalize someone? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for real. And cool. that really built my empathy for him while I was reading more about him today. Um, so Lily doesn't like that he's starting to get in with that kind of crowd. And she tells him as much. Um, and he doesn't like the feeling of her not liking him or liking what he's doing. Um, and does anyone want to talk about like the the bullying flashbacks? Oh, the memories. Yeah, they're I, really sad. I'm happy to. I didn't do any research, so I can just be the content. You are a pensive. Out. <laughs> yeah, you really are. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. The uh, the main bullying scene we get is in um the fifth book when um Harry is taking occlumency lessons with snape um and he decides like an asshole to dive head first into snape's pensive like a rude mm -hmm. also scary like what mm -hmm. are you doing harry multiple reasons not to do this um, but anyway he does it because he has zero self-preservation um the so we get we see it he lands in the great hall they're taking their like defense against the dark arts um OWL um and he comes out um they come out and he like follows them out towards the lake um and he's like Harry's really only paying attention to his dad and Sirius and Lupin um but he sees their whole scene play out um just kind of being dicks and like being like show offy and then you know just like broy boys sitting next to a lake um and then Snape decides to get up and leave where he was um, and they see him and they decide to just basically go right after him um, for no, no reason. Snape wasn't doing anything. Um, but basically they like call him out and then Snape kind of fights, snaps back. Um, and then Lily comes over because they're being jerks. Um, and Lily's basically like, Hey, you guys are assholes. Stop being an asshole. And Snape is like, I don't need help from a mudblood. And so uh, she stalks off. Um, James basically like drowns Snape with soap in his mouth. Um, like washes what? his mouth out with soap. Um, in that moment he does? Uh -huh. So he's like gagging and like trying to like not throw like Like he's like throwing up and like all of these horrible things. And then he like hangs him upside down by the spell he created. Like Snape created um, with Levy Corpus. Um, and then he also threatens to take off his underwear in front of a lot of people. Wow. Yeah, it's a really, I, I hate, I hate that part in the book because I hate reading it. Like it makes really me, tough. yeah, it's really, it's really tough. We see like, because then when, when Harry confronts like Lupin and Sirius about it a little bit later on, they kind of laugh it off because Harry's really upset, right? He's like, I've just seen my father be a terrible person mm -hmm. and it is like weighing on him really really horrible and when he goes to Sirius and Lupin they sort they're sort of like oh yeah like your dad was a bit of a dick like we were all dicks but like so was Severus like he would also curse your father and be awful and whatever and they're 
they, you know, they're kind of just like, oh, it was schoolboy stuff. But it's something that clearly had like a lasting trauma on Snape. And and we do find right. out later yeah. that the reason that's like his worst memory, it's because it's it's what finally sort of broke him away from Lily and ruined their relationship. But like he has obviously such like a um such a hatred of, of Harry. He later when Harry tries to use the uh, Levicorpus spell on him, he shouts at him like, you won't use a spell. Like, don't you use that spell that I came up with on me? Sort of like the way your father did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So these are things that like have stayed with him. Like it wasn't just like, oh, schoolyard bullying. Like it has right. it like impacted his psyche in a way that continues to like make yeah. his character for the rest of our time with him. He dies when he's 38 years old. Wow. Yeah. And I think one of the things also that's like, you know, it is one thing to say that like he just did as well as he got it. Right. Um, but remember, in, he in was one, kind of like, per- one that's person. What I'm, that's yeah, exactly right. Like, that's them. the big difference is that like you've got this like gang of bullies basically coming at you daily and Snape has no friends, mm-hmm. you know, except for like Death Eaters who, you know, don't have his back in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, you know, it's, I think they even kind of hint at the fact that like Lucius was taking an interest in Snape because he was older. Um, but like, they're not sticking up for him. Yeah. And Snape wanted to get them expelled. He didn't want to kill them or do a prank that would kill them at school. Mm-hmm. Even well, though they almost... Also- Fair Killed enough. Him. Like yeah. nobody else really did either. Just Sirius wanted to do that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Lupin had literally, I don't think Lupin even knew about the plan, but like still. It's really interesting that this chat the way we see Lupin and Sirius react to this memory challenges the idea that we change when we go from being adolescents to adults that you leave it behind Mm -hmm. because they were defending it. Yeah. You know, like I find all of this, I'm really grateful that this storyline was written in this way because it's so challenging. Sean, like you said, not liking reading it. It's so challenging to the reader and it's so uncomfortable Mm -hmm. that like I it's artfully done. I think this is one of the best, thing she did in the series and it's it's hard to read like reading it as a kid and being because you're like I can imagine this happening to me right like I'm mm-hmm. the same characters the, the same age as these characters being bullied it's also really hard to like revisit as an adult because like now you have a protective instinct where it's like I want to protect this 15 year old who's getting mercilessly bullied yeah. at school yeah yeah huh I kind of read it as like, I feel like when I was a teenager, I was the type of person who felt really insecure and out of place and could, had the potential to get swept up in the bullying role more so than being the loner outsider. Like I ran in a group, I played sports, I did all the stuff. So it brings an extra layer of discomfort to be like, like, just to be like, oh, fuck. Like a little bit of shame. A yeah. little bit of oh, shame, yeah. too. Absolutely. Yeah. I yeah. mean, and I think that's one of the reasons why, like, as a, like, even as kids, right, you read that as with shame. 
mm-hmm. right? Because you're like, mm. like, what side would you have been on? And like, yeah. most people can't honestly say. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, are you a Lily? Are you, are you actually a Lily? Also, we never actually talk about Lily in this conversation, which is yeah. why, Lisa, I really like what you brought up about like, dudes doing that so I don't want to get us off of those springboard conversations or skim over any of the biographical stuff or the storyline do we want to unpack like the death eater stuff I mean it makes sense right he was a death eater he was a death eater two thumbs up (laughs) way up in there I mean he was he was isolated and vulnerable and extremely smart and talented. And he was a great get for them. And he was already in Slytherin. So it wasn't exactly hard to like, you know, you take a loner and you're like, suddenly you have a group and it's, and it's a group that's already playing into what might be some of like your worst instincts. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, I'm sure it just felt like a really natural fit and it was a natural fit. Right. Like you have a group of people where Snape is like, has this growing interest in this thing that he shouldn't have a growing interest in. And you have this group of people that's like, oh, we do too. And he's like, oh, it's fine then. Right. Like I'm on the right side, actually. Yeah. And also not to jump ahead, but like to get super weird and incel-y, you have a group of people who are also like, oh, by the way, we'll just give you that woman you want. Like that's like part of like, was that Why? the subtext? Yeah. No, it was the it, it was, it was the like text. in the book. Like he said it in the oh. book. Like Voldemort said, like we'll give you Lily. I'll kill the rest of them, but I'll give you Lily. Yeah. Oh, that changes a lot. <laughs> no, I I mean now one one could argue like what Voldemort's read of that was might not have been what Snape's was, right? Like Lily was his lifelong best friend. What Snape yeah. might have taken okay. that as is I will. I can save Lily. Right. I love her. I want her to be with me, but like I can also save her. What because mm-hmm. Voldemort actually even says, um, I think it's it's in the seventh book where Harry confronts him is basically like, Yeah, Snape turned on you because you killed Lily. And and Voldemort's just like, Oh, she was just like some bitch. Like, oh, he, right. he, like, he, he says like he desired her, but like yeah. he wouldn't have done it for her. So there was there also was a a Perhaps a misread between the two of them. Yeah, I mean, I, bet. I mean, obviously, right? It's not like Voldemort has any idea how to read any kind of human connection. He doesn't <laughs> right. know how to do that. He can like mimic it to an extent, but like, not. He doesn't actually know anything. Like, it, but but the fact is, it's a group that says like, we'll give you power, we'll give you respect, and yeah. we'll give we'll give you this person yeah. that you feel entitled to mm-hmm. in some way. Yeah. Wow. Totally. Yeah. So he did that. He joined his Nazi socialist group and um, rose in the ranks. It seems like he rose in the ranks really quickly. Yeah, they were. I mean, we don't get like a, a, a total beat on how old everybody is but everybody like a lot of his inner circle are like Voldemort's age right like they went to school together they were in the slug slug club together versus like Lucius and Bellatrix who are younger um and Snape is like ha- like easily the youngest um maybe with the exception of uh Barty Crouch yeah but like we we can't discount 
how powerful Snape is. Like, I think we've mentioned before, if there's like a hierarchy of Harry Potter characters, if we have like Dumbledore, Voldemort on the top, like the next step down is like a Snape McGonagall. Yeah. Like they are mm-hmm. insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no. For his potions brewing alone, let alone the rest of like his uh, occlumency skills and things like and that. And his ability to create new spells. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's nice. Like, he's how do you do he's that? an incredible like, I don't know, alchemist, probably something yeah. he probably could be, I guess. And this is um, shit he was doing when he was like 16 years old. Yeah. Yeah. That gives so, perspective like, to the term dark arts. Like it wasn't art. Like he took the art part of it and ran with it with potions right. too. And like not all of the spells he created were dark arts, right? Like Levy Corpus is not like a kind thing to do to people, yeah. right? But it's like... I- it's hilarious. He also has a great sense of humor. Great sense of humor. Mm-hmm. And he's full of one-liners. He is. He's so, oh, he's so petty and like So quick. petty yeah. and dry. And it's so good. Yeah. Very British. British mm-hmm. humor. Mm-hmm. Yes. Wow. Um, but yeah, like it's no, this is one where like Snape feels, it's so, like we've talked about this before, right? Where like, JK clearly has her favorite characters that she's written and Snape is so obviously one of them. Yes, agreed. Like because he is significantly more fully fledged than pretty much every other character, like including the trio. Um yeah, I like agree. he just has like yeah, he's got he's got kind of the most realistic character development. Um or at least something that you can kind of see happening um, in a way that like, like linearly, like makes sense. Um, and yeah, he is, he's more complicated than everybody else. And also simultaneously, like not. Yeah. There's such a withholding and an air of mystery around him, but you know that all of it is fleshed out in her mind. And, the, and that seems like a loving thing. Like she crafted him with care and then it's surprising that she withheld from what us more did. about him. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. yeah. really all we get in terms of like, Caleb, all the, a lot of the background information you just shared, we see through flashbacks, right? So mm-hmm. we know about his family life. We know about him knowing Lily really young is because Harry sees it. Like he gives Harry's his memories when he's dying. And so we see that at the end of the seventh book. You know what? I think I misspoke saying that it was supplemented. I think this was all from the flashbacks we were given in the book. So maybe we didn't get much supplemented from her after the fact. I don't think that we really have about the mystery. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. My bad. Sorry. I mean, because we get, we do get more about Snape, uh, like as an adult character at any rate, than we do Mm -hmm. about any of the other character, adult characters, like with the exception of like maybe Hagrid, but like even Hagrid's is pretty limited. Um, Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, I feel like I feel like because Snape is so it's it's so it's so clear that he is like such a such a precious character to mm-hmm. to her that like she kept some. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's <sighs> wasn't afraid to tell us that uh Dumbledore was gay yeah. after the fact in the storyline that like didn't really make a lot of sense, but Snape mm-hmm. nope, she's not willing to tar- like to do anything um do we want to get into 
the whole like role of love later. Does anyone have other things to say? So I feel like Snape and Sean, wait, okay. Feel free to redirect or cut this out. Do you want to redirect us with some specific questions? Because I feel like the whiskey's hitting my brain right now. <laughs> Can I? So I think we, I think we have covered as much of his background that we need, right? Because at this point now, it's just like it's the events of the book. Yeah. Um, I would before we talk about anything else, I just want to get like a like a gut check from you guys when you were first reading the books. So when you're kids and you were teenagers, like first read through the series, what did you think of Snape? Um, I thought he was uh, a, like when I was like when he was in the earlier books, right? I thought he was just like a mean teacher. Okay, so maybe better question when the sixth book came out, mm. and that was I think really divided people where it's like Snape kills Dumbledore, right? It was the people who had never trusted Snape was like, I knew it. This is like just like vind- I'm vindicated. And the people who were always like, I always love Snape. We were like, there's a plan here. I'm curious where you fell. Didn't always love him, but I was 99% sure that he made the plan with Dumbledore. Okay. I thought it was too on the nose. And I think that's an honest read right now. Like, I don't want to be revisionist and say I thought something. But to me, it was like. videographic evidence of me before the seventh book comes (laughs) out, basically (laughs) revealing the plot of the seventh (laughs) book. Okay, that why I, be- I believe that? I believe that <laughs> I don't know where it exists, but it was on my 18th. No, not my 18th birthday because that would have been after it was on 15th or 16th. Right? My, it was my 16th birthday. It must have been. And like we were just all having dinner at my house. And I just like somebody stood up <laughs> camera. like it was probably Shay. Like it feels like it was like, uh, but this may or may not exist anymore, but it was one of those where, so like, I can firmly say that I did trust that Snape did not kill Dumbledore without Dumbledore asking him to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't have any receipts, but I think that I thought like, well, that was too simple. Therefore there must be more. Also, I I feel like the way that Dumbledore, like the way that it read so specifically, right? Like, the Severus please, you know, like mm-hmm. those comments, I feel like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, thinking back, he just seemed like a baddie. You know what I mean? Like bad guy, whatever. But by the time the later books were released, we were old enough to be sniffing around for other like plot devices and things. We were busy taking AP English. So we were busy looking yeah. for those. <laughs> yes, we were looking yes. for those like Ethan Frome types, you know, like that's, <laughs> that's what we really wanted. A great point. <laughs> yeah. But Sean, how did, what was that like for you? I think uh, Caleb, like you said, I could go back and I, you know, revisionist, I could be like, oh, well, there was X, Y, and Z that pointed towards it. I remember reading it and just being like, I trust Severus Snape. And so Mm -hmm. I believe that whatever happened here was like not him being the bad guy. And it was just like, I don't know what's going on here. Like I, at least I did not foresee the events of the seventh book. I was just like, at the end of the day, I trust this character. Yeah. What was going on in the message boards at that time as you were in the trenches? It was really, it was really polarizing. That was actually why I wanted to ask you this question because it was like, very much these these two sides um uh because you know if you 
didn't trust Snape. Obviously, you had a ton to work with at this point and you weren't mm-hmm. necessarily, you know, at the time you didn't necessarily seem like you were obviously going to be wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I was just always I trusted him. He was a character mm-hmm. I trusted. Yeah. Great question. Um, that kind of feeds into your next question about how opinions changed over the years. Does anyone remember like their feelings as they read throughout their childhood through the yeah. books? I mean, I think I like started, I think, I think I did the same arc that like most people did. Right. Um, like, I don't think I was original in my feelings where like, mm-hmm. I didn't like him because he was mean to Harry and mean to Ron and Hermione and like outright cruel to yes. most of the students, especially Neville. Um, like, um, and then um once the movies started coming out, I started to like Snape because Alan Rickman is the freaking best. Yeah. Um, and so like that made me like his character. And then when he got a quote unquote like redemption arc in the books, essentially, like essentially being like the savior of the day, yeah. uh, like it kind of fed into like, okay, I should like Snape as a character. And then it wasn't really until I like went through college and like got older that I started like not loving his character (laughs) yeah whoa that's a big thing to say yeah so you didn't love his character yeah um i'm having a brain flash about jk rowling can we go on a tangent yeah okay so rowling says that she chose alan rickman for the role and they started making the movies before the before she finished writing the books yeah and she told him the end of the story so that he could play the character correctly and or play the character to his instincts about the actual story so the heart of this tangent is that i wonder how based on lisa what you just said how seeing alan rickman's portrayal changed how you felt about the book character how Rowling writing Snape may have been some kind of interplay with how Alan Rickman was playing Snape. And it, and that speaks to the larger thing about JK Rowling is like continuously building out and changing this world, despite the written page already being published. I just think it's interesting. That's a really, really interesting point because Mm. Lisa, I agree with you. I do think um, a big part of how we view this character is based on the fact that this beloved actor played him and the way that he played him um and I don't I do think it's one of those times that it's really really hard to divorce book Snape from Mm -hmm. from movie Snape um really hard for that one yeah Yeah. and and Caleb to your point yeah it is interesting to be like well what if a different actor had played him like would Snape have been different like I I believe that probably the broad strokes would have been the same but Mm -hmm would have some of the details changed Would some of those scenes have have changed at all um because like surely at that point in her head she was also probably picturing alan rickman as snake yeah like what will it look like for him to do this yeah and i think also right like she probably was thinking about alan rickman when she was first writing the books right like it's like wow i like again not a writer 
not an author, not anything like that. Right. Um, but I would feel like if I started to sit down and write a book, like I would have a hard time not imagining it getting turned into a movie and what actors mm-hmm. would play them. She said in an interview that when she reads any of the books, she hears Snape's parts in Ellen Rickman's voice. Yeah. And I would believe that that started before she completed the series. So I, I wonder. I, I think that's true. Um, Yeah, I don't know. It, it would be interesting to know how this would have looked different if there were no movies or if there was just a different actor in the role. Yeah. And and uh, I, I think it's significant because um, starting in book, what's the book where he hit, what's the movie? The, I don't remember which movie it is where he hits... Ron on the back of the head with the textbook. Oh, I think it's the, oh. is it the fourth movie? I think it's the fourth they, one. Because they have like all that a, hair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they have all that hair. And mm-hmm. and there's so much like comedic relief brought. He's always, his one-liners, he's a source of comedic relief. It's like it lubed up the readership yeah. to accept that there was a kernel of goodness. Whereas if you're just reading from the page, like I did during COVID, like he's a fucking asshole and it's not as funny unless you naturally hate children then he's funny i so caleb <laughs> you that's so fucking funny that's true um <laughs> you had asked like do you remember your you know your emotions while reading the books for the first time and i think one of the reasons like i have struggled more with sneep as an adult is because for whatever reason, when reading it as a kid, like I, I loved this character in like a very uncritical way. And in a way that I, for whatever reason, I I mean, I don't want to say I didn't pick up on the cruelty because the cruelty is on the page. Like it wasn't Mm -hmm. something you could ignore, but for whatever, whatever reason, this was like just a character that I loved and trusted despite the cruelty. Mm -hmm. And to the point that it didn't, it just didn't phase me. And I think part of reckoning with how do I feel about this character now is confronting that cruelty that is just in every single interaction and you know not glossing over it and seeing him like less I have a question later about whether we see him as this sort of like tragic hero but seeing him less as a tragic hero and more of just like a very very complicated man yeah yeah I wonder if something that feeds that trust when you're uh, reading it for the first time as a kid is your natural trust in teachers and educators. And like there is a fourth wall that hasn't yet been broken in your childhood that this person must be vested in my best interest. Somehow, you know, Umbridge and Coral and Barty. Oh, you're right. You're right. Got out of her. You're so right. Actually. I think that's a great point. I think it probably had to do more that like I, I was a little kid who was just like, I was obsessed with like the villains in every movie that I yeah. watched. Like my parents make fun of me that like when I saw the Lion King, I was like obsessed with the hyenas. They were my favorite <laughs> characters. Like I loved Scar and the hyenas. I had all the like stickers and like stuffed animals and stuff of them. So, un- so sweet. So unsurprised by that information. <laughs> so that unsurprised. The hyenas though. About you. That's like um, the least merchandised character out of <laughs> I was like, I love them so much. Um, But so I I think that I was also probably just very primed to be like more interested in in those characters. Um, uh, But yeah, no, I just always loved them. 
I love learning that about you. John's the, the evil one. We know this. <laughs> but you're like the nicest, most thoughtful person I've ever met. <laughs> <laughs> you you moonlight as like a. <laughs> That's it. My my side job is. Yeah. Yeah. Man. I think this is a good time to jump into a lot of the questions that like, I mean, things Lisa, you've brought up, Caleb, your question about like, how do we want to talk about how love comes into this to now we've kind of talked about like, what were our initial feelings about Snape? How have we been dealing with that to now the question that as you know, there people in our thirties reading these books, is Snape a good guy? Not a good character. Is he a good person? No. I don't. So unequivocally, no. Why not? I don't know. I don't know. He's cruel to children, and he is a fucking professor. Have you ever been a teacher? I know that he, like, okay, I get that. I do. But I think that lots of teachers aren't good people. Like, a lot are exceptional people. But, like, sometimes, like, teachers are really mean. It is. A lot of, like, Mostly not, but like sometimes it is super yeah. funny because again, he is like 32 years old when these books starts where he just like sees this 11 year old and he's like, we've got beef. <laughs> we've got <laughs> and beef that, corner. <laughs> and that's kind of crazy. Right. Like, and I get that in Snape's case, like the nobody's forcing you to be a teacher argument. Doesn't yeah, it, it doesn't apply. <laughs> he is being forced to be a teacher. He literally is being yeah. forced to be a teacher, but like. Come on, man. <laughs> but actually, Lisa, that's a really good point because I yeah. think for most of this, you're reading it and you're just like, why does this guy who hate kids, right. like, and why is he a teacher? Yeah. And now you're now like, you this is actually a, a nightmare. But also like, and I'm not, I also think that the argument of like a good person and a bad person is like an impossible one, right? Like, is he inherently a bad person? Probably not. I Does he make exceptionally tough like really like he makes like some really shitty choices that Mm -hmm. yes he was definitely like funneled into like I'm not saying that he wasn't but like he doesn't really seem to have any regrets about any of them okay that's so here's my question to both of you Mm -hmm. one do we think that he fully bought into the like Voldemort purity of blood anti-muggle stuff or was he just like these are the people who took me in and I already have an interest in this magic and like I'm going to use it as an excuse to do this I think so yeah so we don't we don't think he's anti-muggle I don't Uh, think so I don't know if he's like I wouldn't say he's like fond of muggles especially if his dad was as shitty as right like he is insinuated that he was right so his like number one experience with muggles is his muggle father who like was probably beat his mom and was bad to him right like so like not a great experience with muggles so understandable why he wouldn't be like that keen on them um but like question two um can i weigh in on that sorry yeah oh yeah sorry go on i think I don't think he ever bought into any of the pureblood anti-muggle shit. And I think that we can point to his deep, dark sense of humor as like, it's just something about him. Like, 
we don't know what he actually stands for except for this love for Lily, which cannot possibly drive a person through every decision or every waking moment. Right. And like he uses humor as something to sustain himself uh, while he's doing this thing that probably gives him a lot of dissonance. Like I don't think he was ever a fully realized person. And I think for that reason, he's, completely tragic like he's one of those smart people who never came to fully realize like what their purpose was Mm -hmm. and I so I I can imagine him he's like someone who like joins the military out of necessity or something like something Mm -hmm. he can do but doesn't want to but meanwhile doesn't really know what he actually wants or needs at all and I think this guy just didn't know himself but he didn't indicate at all that he was, like, of any of the, I don't know. It wasn't, like, a deep, dark Malfoy thing. He was just, right. like, yeah, he, he just. have, like, a, basically, like, what's the word that I'm looking for? Vendetta? Like, a, like a prejudice? Like ancestral prejudice, yeah. right? Okay. Like, yeah. he doesn't have, like, that kind of. It was just the opportunity yeah. that presented like deep itself. Blooded. Yeah. Okay. So, because my follow-up question was, um, because the uh, Caleb, you said that you you typically, or in your research, you kind of saw that there weren't a ton of people who um, reflected back on Snape and liked him less, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the one of the things that I do see um, with people who are going back to this character and are forming more negative opinions of him or whatever is, you have people say, "Well, he left." the death eaters and he went to Dumbledore and he did all, he did basically all the shit that he did in the books. Um, not because he like became disillusioned with like Voldemort's cause, but just because Lily died, like that basically if, if Voldemort had not killed Lily, if, if it was the long bottoms that were, you know, the ones that were attacked or if Lily had stepped aside and Voldemort was able to spare her or whatever it was that he would never have left the death eaters. Um, sure. And obviously like, I mean, it, you know, you could deal in hypotheticals all day. Who knows what he he would have done? But that is something that people point to. I mean, the, all of it, I, I appreciate the premise of that, but it was all circumstantial. Like, yeah. he wouldn't have gone toward the Death Eaters maybe if Lily had given him the love. But who knows if they had gone down the path where he actually, like, got with Lily if that would have sustained him like Snape is a deeply feeling person and I think he operates he makes decisions based on his deep emotions and and I don't know if like those hypotheticals I I, I feel like they don't have as much substance because he, he doesn't have as much substance if that makes sense yeah and I think also like a little bit of a flaw in the argument that like if if Lily had just like if Lily had like stayed friends with him or like whatever would have like changed his path I don't think it would have I mean I think Mm -hmm. that right like Lily says in the when they're in their fifth year after they have the mud blood fight right like she says like you're my best friend Seb and my friends don't understand why I'm friends with you and like so they're still like very very close and their friends know it um and like, so she, it's not a secret. She's not hiding the, her friendship with him. Um, and he's still getting into this stuff, right? Like behind mm. her back, 
Right. And and neither of you are implying this at all. I'm just going to say it for the audience. Obviously, it's it's not a woman's uh, requirement to stay friends with a a a deeply uh, sociopathic man to like try to keep him on the right path. Um, Yeah. So, you know, she held no responsibility towards him or his well-being at all outside of like your normal friend stuff. She was just his point of fixation. So I think if he received the things from her that he felt would nourish him, I I think he would have found a different point of fixation and who knows what that would have been. Yeah. And I think, I think to Voldemort's fucking point, he didn't love Lily. He was obsessed with her. Hmm. I think, I think he loved her. I, in the way that he thinks he did, but I can't, that's not love. Like being like fixated and like pointedly like motivated. Like I think he loved her once. But I think that it became something totally different. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the love starts because he is a highly, highly traumatized child who meets her at a very vulnerable moment. And she's like essentially the first person to ever show him kindness. Yeah. yeah. So that is always going to carry him through. Now, what that love looks like, like you said, was it romantic? Was it hyperfixation? Was it, you know, what could that have turned into down the line? in you know in all in all senses of the word like we have we have no idea and because she was killed so early into like i mean he they were both 21 20 or 21 when she was killed so we have no idea what that relationship could have looked like in adulthood mm-hmm. um obviously like that that kind of quest for vengeance and that carrying on of her memory is, is essentially the only thing sustaining him um Help which me. is devastating and and unhealthy and you know deeply deeply sad i think of that line all of the time um um obviously everyone like fixates on the the always line which is yeah beautiful and you know no. um and deeply sad completely missed me <laughs> in real time as a reader until the fandom <laughs> made it a thing i was like whatever it, de- <laughs> it definitely made me very very emotional the first time i read it but i i find myself thinking more often about Another line that people don't bring up as much that we see um and we see in his memories where he um he uh he rips off the bottom of the letter that she writes to Sirius like Harry finds mm-hmm. part of a letter and and it's clearly from his mother but like it looks like someone's torn something off the bottom um and basically what Snape has has ripped off is her her sig- like her sign off her saying you know love Lily and I forget the exact phrase in the the wording in the book, but basically he sees it and like uh, she JK writes something like, and he took her love with him. Mm. And I always thought that was like really, really sad and like beautiful in a more quiet way than the kind of mm-hmm. always scene was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think that Snape's character is so integral to the series because it builds on like the the positive and additive love and it brings sort of like a subtractive love it 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 asks us to look at what people do in the name of love which is subjective as opposed to like out of true love which is also subjective based on the reader and like makes us think about what love is like that is super super value like i i think the value of 
Snape is the value of like the whole series and the the motif of love. Like he's doing things in the name of love, but what, dude? It's creepy. But I think for all of the the maybe more like performative aspects of his love, I think where you really see it, like where I I do remain convinced that he he loves her throughout is like as begrudging as it is, he does protect Harry. He Mm. fucking hates this kid. Like he this kid is like everything. It's I mean, he he hates him. He looks exactly like, again, his his biggest bully, like his source of childhood trauma, like. Mm -hmm. He's a, he's awful to Harry. Harry's also kind of a dick to him. I don't blame Harry for doing it. He's like reacting the way yeah. his professor is acting to him. But yeah. like for all of that, like at the end of the day, he does grit his teeth and he does keep this kid fucking alive, like to hit, like mm-hmm. to the end of his life just yeah. For, yeah. for his, his longtime love. Can we talk about Lily for a second? Yeah. Um. So what you're saying about the letter is making me think and her signing it with the word love letters are so intimate. Have either of you ever like exchanged letters with someone for a long time? Yes. But also something to be noteworthy about these stupid fucking wizards is this is the only way they can communicate with them. That is a, that is is a great point. Um, (laughs) There's something to writing a letter that's like you're like transcribing dry, diary pages yeah, and totally. it feels private, whatever, you know. Did Lily love Snape, but she just felt too like wrapped up in her cool shit? No, I think that she like, I think that he was her best friend and he betrayed her friendship. With the mud blood thing? Yeah, and also just like being unkind the, to her and like the dark arts thing. Yeah, like the dark Nazi arts thing. Like so thing. many things. Yeah, you're right. That you know, like I think that I think that she did love him, but not the way that he wanted her to. Oh, that's the heart of it. Yeah, yeah, that's probably really obvious. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And Lisa, I don't know if you want to speak on that more because that's kind of what you had started bringing up in the beginning. Why you don't necessarily love Snape as a character or you at least don't you know now with the um uh, the benefit of experience dating men yes man what a benefit (laughs) um at least to give a thumbs up (laughs) um yeah I mean I just feel like to me Snape's like you know holding a candle to this woman who like didn't reciprocate the feelings that he had and like I just I personally just take a don't I think because she died when he was 21 right like he was able to preserve her in this kind of like specific image that he had of her um and if they had continued to live right like he would have just become more and more like probably and I can't say it for sure right but like he probably would have gone more and more in that kind of like creepy friend zony incel-y way um as she just continued to rebuke him yeah um to which she like made it very clear that she wanted to be friends with him and he didn't want that he wanted more and she wasn't she didn't want that mm. and 
granted, uh, what a what a tough thing is that the number one bully is the the girl that you've been in love with your whole life is married to that asshole. Yeah. <laughs> like what a what a tough thing. Um and so like traumatizing in and of itself for sure. Um piggybacked on, you know, basically being like groomed for a crazy Nazi cult. Um like, yeah, he's got a lot of undealt things. Um, but I don't particularly think that like the way that he loved Lily was like sweet or kind. I think it was mm. obsessive and fixated and not yeah. something that anyone deserves to have in their life. Interesting. I agree. I do think it's hard. I think it was also really obsessive and fixated because again, like you said, she died. Right. So all sure. we have, all we don't have what like that living relationship could if they could have reconciled if you know whatever it was I think it's um the uh like the events of her death especially considering that they were directly caused by him I think probably also had a big reason that that love became sure. really obsessive and fixated yeah. um so I don't you know I don't think we can uh we can separate all of those facts um but the fact is no it's not it is not in i think some people do want to paint it as like an uncomplicated love story as just like oh my god look like snape was just like this soft boy who was in love with her the whole time and like that Mm. isn't that is not the case not a good narrative to feel yeah Yeah. and i and i think i and to your point i do think that the evidence that to an extent that like if she had lived that maybe he would have just been able to move on and like have a different life Right. But she, but she couldn't, she was never, no one right. was ever given and that But I think that evidence exists. Um, sorry. The dogs are freaking out. Um, That's okay. somebody had the audacity to walk past the window. No. Um, um, the, but in the fact that like when he went to Dumbledore, Dumbledore called him out and was like, you're disgusting. You, like, disgust you don't care me. that mm-hmm. her husband and child will die. You only want to save her. And he's like, fine, save them all. I just want her to be alive you know, like, yeah. And he, to be fair, was like, not keen on saving the other two, but like, was happy to, if it meant that like, she would be happy and alive. But that's actually an interesting point to, I guess, on the, the pro Snape side where yeah, that's I'm I'm agreeing. Right. That is is a little bit of a, because Voldemort basically promised like, I'll spare her if possible. You can keep her. And he still went to Dumbledore to be like, you need to yeah. save the Potters. Yeah, mm. you need to save all of them, sort of. He knew on some level that he wouldn't make her happy. I think. Yeah, I think he saw that was not going to be the ideal start of this relationship. Yeah. yeah. For sure. And um, I do think that reading of Snape is less of a fault of like the way he was written and more of the fault of maybe like the way the fandom embraced him. I, mm. I absolutely agree. I actually don't think that there was a whole lot in the books to indicate that like we should be idolizing this man, mm-hmm. <laughs> except for the fucking epilogue. I don't <laughs> want to talk about the epilogue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, oh, I like that, that fucking atrocity. Um, Albert like, Severus. Albus like, Severus, named after. Thank you for like, bringing that up. The bravest man that I do. Like get fucked. Um. The, He's got some big uh, T traumas. Totally. Yeah. Um, and like, yeah, I like, I still don't think that I still get like, mm, like uncomfy vibes from the way that he remains just like obsessed with this 
woman and mm-hmm. unkind to her child. I, yeah, yeah I, I mean, as yes, yeah, as funny as sometimes I do think it is how unkind he is to children. Um, I, I do think though when we're seeing his obsession is so just rolled into like his own trauma and guilt though Absolutely. that it, it's just like hard to extract from totally. anything. And I think that's super fair. I, but I don't think that like your trauma gives you carte blanche to just be an no, asshole. oh no, not at no. all. It shouldn't. This man had no ties to anything that actually meant anything to him to the point that he could be enough of a good pretender to convince Voldemort. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he's, I don't know enough about like psychopathy (laughs) to call him a psychopath, but like he believed in whatever his love. What is that? How you would say that psychopathy? I think so. It makes me sound very smart when I say it, but it's like (laughs) Kerper, he seems like a psychopath because like his pattern has changed. Right. What was the bit about the deer? Oh yeah. That was to do with Lily, right? Great. He he was so he was so altered. Patronus. Patronus. I never know how to say that word. As soon as you said it, I was like I like I had to think about it. I was like, that's what is that word? Patronus. 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 I'm sorry. It's Patronus. Patronus. I think it's very funny. Sometimes I drink enough um, whiskey. But I don't know if his Patronus ever changed. We don't know what it what used to be. I read something about it changing. Like Thomas I don't has changed. Know. I don't know. About I want exactly. yeah, to say that it, yeah, I say that it I want to say that it changed because that was like kind of the thing that convinced Dumbledore that he was like yeah. on the level. After all of his time. That is unhinged, y'all. Oh, dear reader, that is, is it, unhinged. Is it on unhi- now? I take it all back. Now I'm just a Snape apologist. <laughs> is I don't I don't know. I don't see that as unhinged. I I see like I don't I don't discount the way he felt about Lily. Not just in like a romantic sense, but like this was his only friend. This is his one and only friend for his entire friends. life. But does it take away Lily's? agency for oh, this I'm not arguing it, I'm not arguing it your, no I'm sorry no you're not not at all uh now I'm just in my head about the 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 love in quotes I don't know I'm making everybody question Snape I'm sorry and I love Snape and I just went to my Google homepage <laughs> to Google oh yeah because like Alan, Rick, Alan Rickman is the like Google doodle today oh, and I couldn't even do my Google because his face is here um, what was the text that you sent us earlier? Yeah, I'm entirely losing my point. I, I am don't even sorry. know. I just no, don't me. apologize. It was probably not a good point. <laughs> God, I'm feeling a lot of feelings about Snape and Lily. This is right what now. happens when we do the deep dives. The deep dive. It's the deep dives mess us up. They really yeah, they do. Really I always do. get so emotional over our deep dive episodes. Yeah. Me too. I mean, like, I'm like, I feel like I always go in with like a, such a firm stance and then by the end I've like still stick with my stance, but I'm like yeah. much less fine about it. I'm like, oh. that's right now. I'm like, I came into this entirely pro Snape. I'm like, he's hilarious. He bullies teenagers. I love that brand. But now I'm like, oh, he was unhealthy. Like if she had lived, <laughs> like if, if she had lived, he might've just gone deeper into the, 
Nazi shit. They also might have gotten or help, not. although there's no indication at all that wizards go to therapy. Oh, no, Never. we know that's not true. No, no, it doesn't no, no, exist. No. They don't do that. Yeah. No, it doesn't. Do I don't even think that's an offering. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I don't I think, think it's like it's a it's a pensive. You're like, I took out the trauma and I put it in this bowl <laughs> and it lives in the bowl, bowl now. <laughs> that's I don't have to think about it. I'm fine. <laughs> and to be honest, if I could do that instead of That'd going to great. therapy, I would sign up immediately. It would be cheaper. It's like mini lobotomies all the time. And I yeah. would pay I would pay American dollars for it. <laughs> um, wow. I just I don't so now I'm yeah, now I'm back on my my pro snake bullshit. I I think <laughs> it is I think it is hard to talk about a character who is so like entirely defined by his trauma in a way that like no other character in this series is and as like you have both said where it's just like he has no defining features outside of it he has no support system he has no friends he has never gotten over this and then he dies and And to be honest and to be (laughs) honest it is almost impossible to imagine what his life would be like had he made it through the events of this book we don't know lots of what ifs eh my god so i i I think we are we are seeing a character who is interpreting love through very, very broken lenses. Hmm. And we struggle. We rightfully struggle with that for a lot of reasons. I don't think it ever occurs to this character that what he is feeling is not love. No, I think he fully thinks that he loves her. I think he does. I think he does in whatever like broken way he is capable of doing that. It's also really easy to love the idea of someone. <laughs> and that's pretty much all he has at this point because yeah. he spends 17 yeah, years pining obsessed over with the idea of the of a person he loved who died. Mm-hmm. And that's really sad. That's really sad. And then along comes Harry. <laughs> and, then Harry you s- and then you see this fucking kid. And he looks just like your bully and he's dumb as shit. And it's your job to keep this idiot alive for the next like seven years. Do you think that Snape knew in advance that he wanted Harry to see that memory? Or do you think that that was just like a deathbed thing? Oh, um, like what part of Snape wanted that redemption and wanted Harry to have that What, Like the memory of the bullying? No, the memories yeah. at the end. The memories at the end that tell the whole story. That he... Oh, I don't really understand the memories at the end, if I'm being perfectly honest. Like, they come out of him in a tear? Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it depends. I mean, he's he's giving memories. No, 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 no. That I get. But it comes out of him like a teardrop, right? Like, yeah, I guess he, that like, can happen. Uh, well, like, so how so do you those... concentrate the, the, the memories into that tear? I just mean the intent behind it. Like, did he uh, want that redemption? Um, I think he wanted Harry to know about it. Like, he, it, I think his plan was always to give Harry the memories at some point because that's how he, like, reveals to him that he has to die. Oh. Oh, so was that a Dumbledore trick? Which is true. I always got the impression, though, that he, like, snuck more in. I would have think so too. Yeah, I. Because right, all they needed to send him was the the one from Dumbledore. Right. Yeah. Um. And like, 
Snape telling Harry that he has to die probably wouldn't have gone over so well. Yeah. Um, so the memories make a little bit more sense. Hmm. I really, I, mm, or they're more convincing anyway. I don't know. I don't, cause Lisa, you're thinking it from like a, a very sort of plot point of view, which I think makes sense from an emotional point of view. I don't know. I, another like kind of Snape thing that always makes me really emotional is I think in those memories, um, we see basically him tell Dumbledore again when he's like, I will come over to your side. I'll spy for you. I'll do whatever to avenge, you know, the death of Lily. And he says, but like, uh, but you can't tell anybody. And Dumbledore says something like Severus, like, why would you want to hide the best part of you? And I think that is so like another thing that's so devastating about it is like just not ever being able to to share that there that at, you know, regardless of how we've argued, whether it is a good thing, if it's a bad thing, if it's something that's been tainted in some way. But like the fact that love of some sort does drive essentially every single moment and action of his life over the course of, you know, 17 years or whatever. And he doesn't share that with anybody. And I think that is so devastating. And, you know, the idea that maybe in his like final moment, he just like finally wanted to be seen. Hmm. You know, and in his defense, like I wouldn't necessarily want to reveal that I was in love with Harry Potter's mom. That kid's an idiot. (laughs) Yeah, he's a dummy. And where'd he get it from? One of them. Pretty embarrassing. I'm assuming it's not her. No, I think Lily. I think was, it was dying. That was all James. But Lily was dumb enough to marry James. You know? Yeah. Think about it. Uh, I think the whole thing about wanting to be seen is really interesting and beautiful. I think he did want to be seen. And more so than to just serve Dumbledore's ends. And I think that like speaks to whatever his idea of love is. Like he thought it was positive enough to share it or I don't know. Because remember, he's really mad at Dumbledore. Like we see it in that memory where Dumbledore explains like Harry's going to have to die and he's furious. He's like, why have I been protecting this kid for so long? You've been raising him like pig for a slaughter. Mm-hmm. And we'll do a Dumbledore episode eventually because he's yeah. the like complete flip side of this. Fucking doozy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Dumbledore, I think it is actually for all the Snape stuff, I think it is harder to be more sympathetic towards Dumbledore. Oh, I agree. Than, than yeah. Snape in a lot of ways. Agreed. Yeah. Um so, so who's the better guy? Neither of them. <laughs> <laughs> They're not good men. I'm sorry, that was the That's reaction. I like men. <laughs> Sorry, Sean. Uh, Lisa, Sorry. Lisa has the opinions of Snape of someone who has had to date men much more recently than the <laughs> two of us. It's fair, actually. I'm shrieking. I'm so sorry you have to date men. <laughs> Neither. They're men. <laughs> just do, I'm just not dating at all anymore. I have a dog and he takes Wait. up half of my life and I'm just going to die alone. You have incredible, um, like Hades from Hercules. He's a guy energy to you right now. <laughs> I'm here for that, actually. That's very. Silly. I'll take some mega energy. <laughs> Sean, I have the feeling I cut you off in the middle of something very profound. No, you didn't. 
okay. you didn't. Um, but no, I, I think in that moment too, you you again see where you're like, oh, regardless of everything, like he is fully committed to keeping this kid alive in a way that I assume would have just kept continuing. Mm-hmm. Like that was his only mission in life was just <laughs> like all he his, had was to all keep he Harry had Potter was, alive, was keeping the dumbest kid in the world alive. Himself by just with zero self-preservation. Yeah. At wow. all times, he's like, I cannot believe like this a kid is the with one a person complex. I have to keep alive. Right. Kid with a hero complex that thinks his only way he can save people is to just throw himself headlong into the fire. Like. <laughs> wow. He had a tough job. He had a really tough job. Yikes. Uh, well, you know. Do you think he was ever like, oh, you rascal? No, I don't. I think he was like, stop trying to fucking die. Stop. I think he was pissed about it. Every day, which is why he was so mean to children. So can I, children before that, though. Can, can I ask you as my, my final question that I had written down here? Yes. Um, this idea of, is Snape a tragic hero? And so the tra- like the idea of a tragic hero is like a um uh is a is a thing like it is a concrete concept um it was uh the concept was kind of created by the Greek philosopher Aristotle um based on his study of Greek drama and so there are like criteria to being a tragic hero so it's one that the the hero has to have like some sense of like sympathy and pity from the audience like the audience does have to like them and like root for them in some way um and then uh the second criteria is that the hero the tragic hero must despite their best efforts their intentions you know whatever it is um they have to come to ruin because of some tragic flaw in their own character so um they are someone that the audience likes and who is not necessarily like a bad person, but like there is something about them that like brings about their own ruin. I think to fit my instinct is yes. Tragic hero. Lisa, I see your face. Um, I feel like his fear of his lack of his invulnerability is part of his undoing. And like, that's not his fault because of all of his trauma and all that stuff. And he, I, I don't know. Like the reason why he seems like such an asshole the whole time is because we don't know why he's doing what he's doing. And I think the true tragedy would have been if he died without any kind of redemption or if he was never redeemed in anyone else's eyes and he just seemed like a fucking asshole the whole time. Um, I feel like him dying is the right thing because like you said, like what would he do without this driving force? Maybe find peace and go be mean to children on his own or of his own volition. It's nice to believe that would have happened. It, it's, it is hard to imagine this character doing that. I don't think he's like a happy guy. Like, I don't think he likes. I don't think he likes himself. Oh no. Good. Yeah. He's not no. having a good time at any no. point. He doesn't even like making potions and he's just he's, just and he's good so good at it. at it. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's definitely tragic. I don't know if he's a tragic hero. What do you think, Lisa? Uh, sorry, I've been up since four. Um, oh, Jesus. Uh, he is... Uh, gosh. I don't know. Like, I mean, it fits, like, definition-wise, right? Like, he does kind of fit. I don't know if I would necessarily say he's a hero. Uh, like, depends on how we're categorizing hero. Like, just because he opted to, like, make one good choice doesn't necessarily make him a hero. Uh, one good choice that he then had to carry on to, like, every aspect of his life for 17 years. Fair, I guess. Yeah, he did really live in it for a long time. Uh, I'm not against it. I don't necessarily know if I would say, like, unequivocally, yes, he is a tragic hero by by definition um like he meets he meets the criteria but i don't know if i would say that um, he like really like really meets the criteria like he doesn't like meet the criteria he like he meets the criteria i think one of the tragedies about him is that he wasn't shown enough love to return it like if he was if he was surrounded by 10 more lilies maybe he would have been a Gryffindor at heart you know what I mean like that to me is the true tragedy of his character like he had so much to give but he was given none and then was like sorted into this path where he was put around all these white Nazis (laughs) in the words of Sean Slytherins aren't evil in that particular time they were being radicalized and recruited to white nazis and so he was like put over there and that sucks ass i mean he's basically like what would have happened to harry if harry didn't meet ron and hermione yeah wow and that's like the difference between the two of them i've never thought to compare their origins whatsoever well i mean yeah they like very specifically like i think kind of make that comparison in the book where like they obviously make the dumb like the Dumbledore, the Voldemort Harry comparison quite a bit. But they also talk a lot about how Harry and Snape have a lot in common, especially with their upbringing and like, um, you know, Harry like constantly being bullied in middle school and like all of these things because he was Dudley's cousin and mm. nobody wanted to go against Dudley. Um, so he was just a constant like he never he didn't have a single friend mm-hmm. in middle school. Um, so it's just like, what happens if you, you know, have this neglectful, abusive upbringing, but you are never able to build a support system. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to note too, that like, right. It kind of goes back to the nature versus nurture argument to an extent, right? Like it's like people talk about like serial killers all the time and how like a lot of them have a similar origin story and all of these Mm -hmm. things, but plenty of people who have abusive trauma don't go on to become serial killers. Right. And plenty of people who are psychopaths or like sociopaths, however you want to frame it. I'm not really sure what it's labeled anymore, but um, don't go on to become serial killers. It's kind of like that, like marriage of the two combos, right? No, they they become defense against the dark arts professors. They become defense <laughs> against the dark arts professors. Um, but I think I think right, yeah. like that kind of boils down to it, where it's like Harry and Snape, right? Similar upbringings, a lot of bullying, 
very isolated, no friends, no one to turn to. But the difference is with Snape and Harry was Snape like already had a little bit of that budding darkness in him that he like really wanted to expound on. And Harry never really had that. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. Sean, what what do you think? Does he meet the definition of the tragic hero? I would probably put him as a a tragic hero, but I am also obviously more inclined to uh, think kindly on him. Yeah. I mean, well, a lot of what we've talked about, what were you going to say? I was going to say, I'm not against labeling him as the tragic hero. I just don't think I, I say it with like, a salt like a like a a yes exclamation point i say it with mm-hmm. like a yeah we can also think in this case um uh hero can be a complicated term mm-hmm. as well it does not necessarily mean in this context like a good guy yeah true good point um, I think I want to bring up just the last question that we didn't really talk about. It was part of the is Snape a good guy question. And I just really like the phrasing of the question. Should he actually have had much beef with an old guy? <laughs> <laughs> and that's just a beautiful question. Lisa, beef corner. Give, give it beef to us. Beef corner. corner. <laughs> I mean, that guy fucking hated children and had to stare it up. A replica of his fucking bully all the time. Of course, yeah, he sure should have had beef with that eleven-year-old. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, that's a that is a yes exclamation point. Man hated children and was forced to work amongst them. And that eleven-year-old had such a like like if that eleven-year-old had a shred of empathy (laughs) for the similarities between between himself and that man, which he couldn't possibly have. Well, had. No. And I think that's, I think that's like, un, I, and I do actually think that's pretty unfair to Harry is that like, it's Harry completely did, not unfair. Go, it, that did not go in. That boy did not go into school thinking I fucking hate this guy. Yeah. He went into school. The first time Snape looks at him, his scar like explodes. <laughs> and then he comes into class and Snape is so mean to him. He rails like, on him. And he's like, I get that he's like mean to everyone, but like he seems a little extra mean to me, right, guys? Yeah. <laughs> and everybody's like, hates like you. and everybody's <laughs> like, oh yeah, I don't know what you did to him. <laughs> that was bad. That was bad. Yeah. Not great. Hmm. So now over the course of this conversation, um, what where where do we stand from where we were in the beginning of this conversation? I think personally, I have more of an appreciation of the nuance around this guy. I don't have a warm fuzzy toward him anymore. I used to have a warm fuzzy when he was just like making Neville do weird detentions. That was very (laughs) surface level. Now I'm thinking about like the whole picture of it. And I'm like, ooh. Yeah. So I've kind of turned away a little. I think I think Snape is like such a complicated character in a lot of ways and I uh I came into this without warm and fuzzies for Snape. I'm leaving it without warm and fuzzies for Snape. <laughs> um I think that like I I definitely probably had a little bit more of a harsher feeling of Snape. And I always have. I've always been pretty vocal about that. Like, I'm not, yeah. I've never been like a Snape lover of, on this podcast. 
Um, I do think that his one-liners are very fucking funny, and mm-hmm. I appreciate like him as a character. Like, I I do appreciate that about him. Um, and I'm willing to give him a little bit more sympathy. I think. Um, but I I I still just what an asshole. Fair, yeah. Fair. What about you, Sean? I I actually feel better about Snape than I came into this episode with. Um, because as I said, I growing up, I was such an uncomplicated Snape lover, like just always trusted him across the board, like never had any doubts about him. And then as I got older, I started having a lot more complicated feelings about it, but just like didn't have the opportunity to really talk to anyone about it. So it was more <laughs> just like sitting with it and and trying to, uh, you know, uh, to figure out what liking this character could look like. And then so I'm grateful for this conversation and, and getting to like work through those feelings because now I can kind of get back to the point where it's like I still I still deeply love and empathize with this character with just the the acknowledgement that I um that I do all that knowing that he's very complicated and mm-hmm. it's it's not as uh it's not as much of just like a a a blind affection as it was when I was younger. That seems really valuable. And I I love that uh phrasing without the blind affection. I think that it's really valuable when we can find anything that keeps our brains working around this franchise um especially on an emotional level so it's really cool that he's so complicated yeah and I think something that is nice about him that I am growing on appreciation for after this is that like I think it it is a, a valuable asset like as a person right to feel empathy for people who are like not good Right. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. You know, like, like what a, what a valuable thing to, to be able to have. Um, and, um, but like also still very much feeling like, ah, you know, Snape. Yeah. I think it's also good to remember that just like bad people can do good things. Yeah. Totally. And, and I think that we um just, not us particularly, but just like as a society, we are, we are very quick to just be like, oh, if you, if you did this good thing, you're a good person. And like, mm-hmm. yeah. And if you did a bad thing, you're a bad person. Like there, there isn't a ton of nuance in it. And it's important to remember that just like people are complicated and their actions are complicated. And there is a lot of good and bad in everyone. And even a, a mostly bad person can do something that's really good. And a mostly good person can do something that's really bad. Mm-hmm. I think you just captured the entire Harry Potter universe right there i really feel like that's like the heart of the thing that she was trying to get across with this character specifically but overall too i mean that's it's a, a huge, little that's a meta that's a dumbledore conversation right like it's a little meta yeah yeah wow yeah cool what a testament this conversation is a testament to something that was well written <laughs> yeah yeah. He's a Snape, good he's a least. good character. He's yeah. He's one of the one of the most interesting, I think. Oh, absolutely. Like you and... like you said Lisa just clearly was a favorite. Oh, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. And I think man, Alan Rickman. Come on. Uh, Phenomenal. Come on. Ugh. Alan Rickman day on Google. It makes me wonder what was happening that's more important on his birthday and the day he died that they had to have Google Day be the premiere of his first stage play. Yeah. 
<laughs> it better be something really good. On it one better of those be TVs. really good. That's yeah. really interesting. I didn't realize that that's what the thing was. You better be born on September 11th because I don't know what else is going to happen. Right. They were like, we tried trading off every other year, 9-11, Alan Rickman's birthday, but people He also died on like December 7th, <laughs> you know? Like... Yeah, I don't know. There's no way to know. Uh, tough. Wow. Well, hey, dear reader, <laughs> to use Sean's phrase, <laughs> if you have thoughts about Snape, good guy, bad guy, let us let know. Us know. Yeah, How are they going to let us know? They can't. You can email. Yes, you can. You can email us. Um, at, at shoutintothevoid at gmail.com. Best way is Basically. if you actually know us, just text us and we'll probably... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we actually really appreciate that. And a lot of you do it. And we thank you because thank you know you. that's the only way we're answering you. Um, uh, but you can email us at uh, watcherharrypod at gmail.com or you can follow us on Instagram at watcherharrypodcast. Um, as always, we check Instagram not a lot, but more than the email. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, you, you can also uh, follow or contact each of us individually. We're always tagged in all of our stuff if you want to follow us on Instagram. Um And let us know, as always, your Harry Potter thoughts. I bet, I bet if you want to put your opinions just right out there in the world and you wanted to just comment on the posts, we would be way more inclined to respond. Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be a good idea. That is vulnerable. But like, if you, if we would be way more inclined than checking our DMs because, God. Yeah, do it. Say it it with your whole chest in front of everybody. (laughs) Yeah, come on. Just put out your emotions all on there. I mean, we do. We do a lot. We do it a lot. Several yeah. countries. <laughs> Some people still listen to us. Yeah. Hi, Jim Owen. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. All right. Thank, thank you all for you being guys. here. Yes, thank you. Bye. Bye. The Watcher Harry podcast is hosted by me, Sean Fitzpatrick, Lisa Moen, and Caleb Kelleher. Our editing is done by me, Sean Fitzpatrick, and our theme music is Dance Macabre Busy Strings by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. It's licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license.